Yellow Yell. This is Common Convo. And as you know, we've started this project um, with Clark County Health Department. As we're talking about health equity, we're talking about the challenges that we face right here in Clark County and surrounding areas with um, opioid addiction or just substance abuse as a whole. You know, where we are in our mental health journeys, our wellness journeys. Um, and so it's, I'm excited to consistently be able to bring in different leaders, um, different uh, health activists, if we will, into the studio and, and have an opportunity to talk about where we are in our community specifically, things that we're doing right, um, things that we're doing wrong, things we can do different. Um, and I think it's super important that we stay focused on the task of how do we heal, right? Um, and for, for that, that's going to mean different things for different people. And so today I have the amazing... Pam Clark with me. Like I say that super amazing because I mean, she is phenomenal and does a lot in our community. Um, I'm going to let her explain a lot of it. it. And as we have this conversation about how you play a significant part um, of making sure that we do have equity in all communities across, across what all racial boundaries, all ethnicities, um, um, LGBTQ plus, et cetera, et cetera. So Pam, we, and, and excuse the loud trucks and airplanes that are going to go by uh, because we're in my studio and apparently there's construction down the street. And when you have that, it's there. So if I don't delete it, you heard it. It's not my fault, <laughs> depending on who's watching um, or if you're listening to the podcast. Um, so, but Pam, you know, getting, getting into here, will you, will you tell our audience, um, who are you and, and what do you do? Hey, McGill, thank you so much for having me. As he said, I am Pamela Clark. I'm the Minority Health Initiative Director at Community Action of Southern Indiana. I am funded through the Indiana Minority Health Coalition out of Indianapolis. Who am I? I have been in public health for over 25 years, McGill. Wow. You don't I, look old enough to be in 25 it. years. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. But 25 years, my son, I think, was three. And um, someone asked if I was interest, interested in an HIV AIDS coordinator's position. Okay. At that time, I said, sure. I had no clue about public health. I wanted to go into business. Mm. So um, I did that job for two weeks. And then there was a position open up that paid more money. India, uh, the, the immunization coordinator. Okay. Pay good money, okay? All right, let's go. So I took that position to immunize every child by age two. After I took that position, and a door opened an opportunity for me to have my own nonprofit. My own nonprofit, 501c3, uh, was Southern Indiana Minority Health Coalition. Okay. Under Indiana, Minor Indiana Minority Health Coalition. I tell you, I had 13 diseases to address. I wrote grants. I had that coalition for 14 years. I uh, had plenty of volunteers, and it was located in Clark County. Um, after that, I went to work, after I lost my mom to cancer, I went to work for the American Cancer Society for nine years. I covered uh, the Mid-South Division down in the Black Belt, Alabama, Mississippi, uh, and that program was a community-based program where we um, uh, educated women on breast cancer. So, but McGill, I have, this has been like a roller coaster ride for me because public health and losing so many family members to cancer, it became personal. My job became personal to where 
I've got to make a difference in my community where I live, where my children are growing up, where my family lives, where my friends live. I wanted to make a difference. You ever did something, I think you do, you ever did something where it's work, but you enjoy it so much? Absolutely, doing this right here. This is, this is <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's, it is, it's a tedious amount of work. And, and um, you know, just on the technical side, being in it. But the other part is, is that this work for me is, is still about social justice. So much of what I cover, you know, it's, it's, I had a conversation with Tia um, some years ago and was like, man, if I could just get paid, figure out how to get paid, earn an income, having conversations about how we fix the problems mm -hmm. in our community, mm -hmm. I'd be cool. Yeah. And so, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Good. So you know exactly what I mean when I start talking about even relationships, when I start, because you can't do this job by yourself. When I had my nonprofit, I was the only one on staff. Wow. But the key was community partners. Clark Memorial Hospital. Clark County Health Department, just churches and other nonprofits, sitting at the table and representing the people you look like. I represent, whenever I sit at the table, I don't care where I am or whose table it is, I represent minority health, I represent people of color, I represent Clark County. And when I say that, that's also to identify resources that in our community that our residents can use those resources to help them feel better, to help them get their screenings, to help them get their medication. But it's not always that easy, Miguel. You know, we talk about that. Like, we, we you know, we... We always had these conversations about access. Yes. You know, we're saying, well, you know, medical supplies is out there, hospitals are out mm -hmm. there, doctors are out there, nurses mm -hmm. are out there. You know, why is it that one community is saying, hey, I have access, or another part of the community is saying, I don't have access? You know, what makes it so complicated? Exactly. The difference is, is that when we look at certain areas of Clark County, there are bus lines, there are daycares, there are jobs. But when we look at some of the other communities, there's not a bus line. There's folks who may not have completed uh, a, a college education. Education becomes an issue. They may be low income. Um, there are people, Miguel, I would go door to door in some of the communities in Clark County. And I would ask people about their health. Mm -hmm. I want to know how you're doing. I want to know if you know about the Family Health Center that's over across the street. Have you used their services? So what I would do is I would ask those questions. If, we, if some women may need a, a mammogram, I had one woman that did need a mammogram, found a lump in her breast, but you know she was comfortable. She said, I'm okay. What I don't know won't hurt me. Well, see, as black folks, we do have a tendency to continue with those myths to continue to say what I don't what I don't know won't hurt me and that's not true. So I stood there and had a conversation with her, told her about the Family Health Center, told her about the breast and cervical cancer program. How many how many people do you see and I and I I know I don't hate to say this because you've got to go to where people are and I know that may sound old cliche, but you have to go and you have to have that conversation. 
this lady did end up going to the Family Health Center. She did end up receiving services. But if I had not knocked on her door, she may not have went. You're saying, you know, you have to go to where people are. We, we talk about services. We talk about opportunities. But it, so I think there's a couple things that, that come to mind for me. And, and one is sometimes we don't know the services existed. Mm -hmm. The other part is, is there is there something that happens in the black community or economically challenged communities where there's a trust issue? Mm -hmm. And so what what I what I don't know won't hurt me mm -hmm. is more so of you know, a reflection of the trust in the community. I, I don't trust this facility. I may not trust this doctor. I may not trust this service. Um, I want to remain private, and I don't trust that they, will, they won't share. Right, right. And part of that trust, when you start talking about uh, trusting your doctors and, and, and trusting um, your, your provider, uh, it goes back to the Tuskegee uh, experiment. It goes back to history because we pass that information down uh, through generations. And what we have to do is to make sure that we continue to educate individuals on speaking up for themselves when you're talking about trust. Um, my own personal experience of trust with the doctor uh, was when my son was an infant and I, they assumed I was on Medicaid instead of having health insurance. They didn't ask for my health insurance card. They asked for my Medicaid card. Um, and I've never been on Medicaid, but when I talk about trust, I'm, I'm referring to making sure that, that um, we have that open dialogue between our provider um, and making sure that some people don't trust the prescriptions that their doctors give them. The conversations that I have are, if your doctor gives you a prescription, do you understand what a teaspoon and tablespoon is? Okay. A lot of people don't understand that. You know, um, it's really about health literacy and, and about, and again, being your own advocate when you're talking about trusting your own provider. Um, another example is I had a person in the community said that they did not go to this particular place for care because no one looked like them. And she was a woman, a black woman. And uh, being a part of the community and having this particular organization uh, on my board, I had a conversation with the executive director, and she made changes. Awesome. She made changes because you're not, again, you're working in the community, you're connecting them to resources, but you're also being that ear. You're also, as I said, when I sit down at the table, I represent the people that I serve. Yeah. I represent the community. Let's address that sitting at the table, because I, I know sitting at the many tables in this community, we, we might be the only ones. Yes. And what you just identified is is why it is important for us sometimes to, for us as brown, black people, to be in an awkward space, mm -hmm. right? Um, being the only one at the table, because when we do voice something, mm -hmm. it may be the first time that anyone on that board mm -hmm. or on that committee has ever heard of that issue. Right. And if, if you don't advocate, if, if we can't give agency to the people who mm -hmm. don't have agency, mm -hmm. then the growth that we hope mm -hmm. will come doesn't. And and you you deliver that. Mm -hmm. And and so you can sit here and say, you know, yes, things have changed. And I've worked with directors and programs who said, man, you know, we don't have people mm -hmm. of color who work here. So mm -hmm. we'll we'll adjust that. Now not everybody does that. Some people don't care. Or That's they right. or 
they have rhyme and reason. That's right. Well, we'll just leave it like that. Because <laughs> I said I was going to play nice on this series. Yeah. <laughs> you are being really good. You are, because I know, I know how this could go. But yeah, you are. Um, and that's okay. It, you know, sometimes you know? there's a there's there's a time to carry a spear and sometimes carry a pen in, in a book. And, and on this series, I think it's more about let's educate. It's a hard conversation, no matter how we look at it. It is, and because go ahead, go ahead. Well, because you have to, you have to have that conversation about um, systemic racism, discrimination. If I feel it, if someone in your office mistreated me, and I just leave, you're not going to hear about what happened or why I left. You're not going to follow up with me. But if I see Pam on the street, and Pam, this is what happened. I'm going to go back and we're going to have that conversation. It's a conversation that we have to have. When you're talking about discrimination, stress brings on a lot of issues. Stress brings on headaches, hypertension, heart disease. It plays a role in a lot of chronic diseases. So if I'm feeling, and I know you understand this from 2020, because I keep going back with, I I know we're being recorded, but Maurice, I keep going back to that, the stress that I felt in 2020. Yes. You know, the, the marches that, the headaches that I had, the concerns I had. Now, see, that brings up social determinants of health. So when I don't feel safe or if I'm concerned about my teenage child, that's part of public health. Yes. Feeling safe is part of public health. So I have to make sure that I address those issues when it comes to safety, when it comes to discrimination, when it comes to um, someone, when I'm being mistreated, when I don't feel like I'm getting the care that I need. And it's okay to speak up. Just like you guys march, y'all spoke up in 2020. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, you know, I think I think 2020, 19, you know, it, it changed a lot for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. I think for some of us, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit. I had a couple clients said you shouldn't be out there, mm-hmm. and most people don't even know how I got to the fact that I was protesting anyway. Mm-hmm. And it was weird because my daughter wanted to go protest in the first night, the things that were going on in Louisville in terms mm-hmm. of Breonna Taylor, mm-hmm. and so we're, we're in night two, and, and I'm watching it in the office, and you know Tia and she'll call mm-hmm. like I want to go downtown, and I I have a voice, and I want to voice it and in my head. I said no. Yeah. And I've been telling this story, you know, and, yeah. and I was like, nah, I'm not taking you down. You have no <laughs> idea what that is going to look like, yeah. you know. And they say, well, mm-hmm. you know, who better to take me than you, Dad? Like, you know what it's going to look like. You know mm-hmm. what it's going to feel like. And I was like, you know what? You're right. You know, what we don't later understand mm-hmm. is the amount of trauma mm-hmm. that we cause to ourselves being in a volatile um, environment. It was a yeah. war environment, oh, yeah. right? Brought on yeah. by both government and yes. people. Um, and so we have to address that, mm-hmm. you know, but it gave, it gave such a new voice. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember sitting on one SI's board for some years and we would, we would introduce this thing about social racism or, mm-hmm. or social equity or, mm-hmm. um, you know, economics and the fact mm-hmm. that black folks were being excluded and mm-hmm. yada, 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 and so on. And we would continue to have these conversations and, and, and they would, they they wouldn't really go anywhere, mm-hmm. you know. It, mm-hmm. You know, it's it, the 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 math didn't math yeah. at the time. Yeah. And I think what twenty twenty showed the U.S., but very specifically at home, mm-hmm. was that we are not far removed 
from mm-hmm. the racial inequities that happen across the country. Exactly. And, and in Clark County, Floyd County, and, and across the river in Jefferson County, Louisville, mm-hmm. you know, there are a lot that are happening that are that's intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it does create harm. Yes, right? it does. Yes, it, it, it is does. a it's a continuation of of the inequities that we face systematically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and no matter how many Pams are in the place, no mm-hmm. matter how many Miguel's are in the place, if if the powers don't be, if our mm-hmm. mayors and our governors, right. um, the people who are head of our health departments, people who are head of you know organizations mm-hmm. and banks are mm-hmm. not paying attention mm-hmm. or don't want a culture of equity, that's then right. we have to address these things. Right? We do because we were not we we're, we're I would like to say we're not safe. For a lot of people, safety in this community, being mm-hmm. black or brown, doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Right? We we leave the home with a concern that we live in an unsafe environment. Mm-hmm. We um, do. Both from institution and individuals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I think, you know, part of this conversation, you know, I think the fact that Clark County Health Department said, let's have a conversation, let's have an open dialogue mm-hmm. about what health equity looks like. Right. Um, I asked a convers I had a during during the 2020, we were we were all sitting in these um, Zoom meetings mm-hmm. um, yes. because of COVID. And and yes. I asked a question there. We weren't talking about health equity, we were talking about wealth and, and, and mm-hmm. economic positioning of, of the community as a whole. And I remember asking a lot of leadership in that room, what does equity look like? Mm-hmm. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're saying you want to create it, but what mm-hmm. does it look like? And mm-hmm. that conversation never happened. The answer never came. Right. And we're right. in 2023. Um, I, I want to say the answer still has yet been, I have yet to hear it. But what I have seen is a few people, a few organizations say, you know, let's step out here and see if we can mm-hmm. figure it out because mm-hmm. we don't know what it looks like. No. Um, and we have, we don't have a plan. Now, there are some mm-hmm. folks like Mayor Treva Hodges, old Mayor Treva Hodges, over in Charlestown has done awesome. some really unique things. Awesome. Um, in terms of hiring practices mm-hmm. and programming. And mm-hmm. she's she's been boisterous about it. Yes, she has. You know, yes, she has. Um, you've got Cassie who was doing a great deal of things. Um, and so we have, we have pockets of good mm-hmm. folks in the community. Mm-hmm. The fact that Dr. Mm-hmm. Yazel's with the health department is, mm-hmm. is, is out here mm-hmm. looking at it and saying, how do we fix it? You know, how do we, how do we implement things? What's missing? Right. And, and, and we have to fix it together. Yeah. We can't, we have to have, when I say together, not just with the health professionals and not just with those folks who are community health workers, we have to we have to bring those folks to the table from the community. We have to have that discussion, that raw discussion from those that it really impacts. Because black men are still dying mm. from chronic diseases, from hypertension, from from strokes, from you know, seven years earlier than white men. And Till this day, this is 2022, and we are still at the top of the chart when it comes to health disparities. The gap has not been closed. I remember when I first started, we talked about healthy people, uh, I think it was healthy people 2018, healthy people uh, 2016. We're talking about healthy people close to health disparities gap. How are we going to do that? We have to also, we can't leave out the part of advocacy. We can't leave the part out of going to the state house and being that voice and being heard. There was one time they wanted to, they were talking about cutting the breast and cervical cancer program dollars. Who do you think that's going to impact? That's going right. to impact women of color. And 
I don't know if you want to delete this part, but we're also talking about abortion. Let's At the state it. level, we're talking about abortion. We're talking about now, we're talking about women of color now going back to the alley to get this botched up job done. Yeah. Because we are passing laws that are going to be so strict in the state of Indiana. Even if a woman has been raped, she's not going to be able to get an abortion. I mean, I, I, we, we've had this conversation on a couple of the podcasts and, you know, what does the world look like post Roe v. Wade, mm -hmm. right? You know, mm -hmm. but here's the, you know, even crazier question is what does our community look like during Roe v. Wade? Some communities were already bad. Yes. Indiana being one of them. Yes. You know, I, I had Dr. Rita on here in the last session, and we talked about the fact that one out of every four young women will be sexually assaulted mm -hmm. and abused mm -hmm. before she leaves middle school, mm -hmm. and men, one, one out of six young boys, mm -hmm. and these are reported. So, I mean, we already live in an environment, right, that is dangerous in that relationship, but here mm -hmm. we are passing laws yes. um, that will, you know... It, a lot of times they say we're, we're passing laws because we want to protect an unborn child mm -hmm. or, or a fetus. And I, mm -hmm. and, and I respect that. That's, right. you know, but at the same time, we're also passing laws, I think, who are protecting predators. Mm -hmm. And I once asked a question of some elected officials. I said, when you pass this law, who are you really protecting? Your mm -hmm. friends mm -hmm. who, you know, are out here raping and pillaging mm -hmm. or the people yeah. that you're supposed to legitimately yeah. protect. Right. You know, and I think we have to, we have to continue to have that conversation yes. um, because there's, I'm a firm believer that we have to, we have to protect mm -hmm. women's rights. There's no reason we should be making laws mm -hmm. that dictate what a woman should or can or can't do mm -hmm. with their own body. That's, yes. that, that is not freedom. That's yeah. not independence. And that goes against the American concept, in my Ex opinion. Exactly. Exactly. And another, we don't know how we're going to come out um, post-COVID. Uh, with mental health and our youth. Yeah. That's another topic. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, we've had an increase in, to me, one suicide is too much. Yeah. That's too many. So this past summer for our annual back to school event, we talked, um, I had Center Stone set up a table just for them to talk to parents and to follow up with parents because I wanna make sure that our kids are feeling safe, able to have a conversation with someone, some adult, somewhere. They've lost friends, they've lost family to COVID. So we don't know how this COVID yeah. is gonna be impact that it's gonna have on our children, the isolation, the, I think still with going to school and sitting in the classroom for some is a challenge. Um, is it safe to say that COVID, you know, the last couple of years, there's no going back to a norm? No. This is our new norm. Yeah, exactly. And we have to figure out exactly. how to thrive and be safe in it. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I, you know, I wonder, even in that, like, I, I wonder how many, when we look at the diversity of our community, mm -hmm. you know, how many therapists, how many psychologists do we have that are black, brown, right. or women? Um, who are other ethnicities? Because I mean, we're not just a black-white community. Mm -hmm. You know, we have Africans. We have, yes. we have, we have yes. you know, you know, Hispanics from all different regions. Mm -hmm. So we we really have a plethora mm -hmm. of folks. Mm -hmm. And are we really addressing the needs of mm -hmm. the people and the cultures? Yeah. Is there anything you want to share? Like as as we have these conversations, 
I would like for people to just get involved. Something that I'm working on, uh, and I don't know when I'm going to be able to um, to implement this, but it's been near and dear to my heart, which is crime in the African-American community. Something that I would like to do is to start out with a, um, a panel of discussion, but I like doing things out the box. I don't like doing the normal things. I want to have someone there from the trauma center, from the funeral home. I want to have a parent there. I want to have, I want to have a real discussion, but I don't want it to end just there. A lot of times we have town hall meetings and we voice our concerns. We get up, we testify, we tell all these great stories, and then it just sits there. And what happens after that? Again, I'm only one person, but if I can get the community involved, the community to share, and when I say the community, I'm talking about folks that live in public housing, folks that live in a uh, million dollar homes. I want to get all these people together in one room so we can talk about it. And then we come up with a plan. Bring our mayors, our local politicians, bring all of those folks in to have that conversation. Is it going to happen overnight? No, it's not going to happen overnight. But Clark County, I always say, we're not in Oz anymore. No, no. It's not where I grew up. I've been here all my life. And it's not, when I'm going to tell you, I was in the hospital. I was diagnosed with epilepsy when I was three. I was in the hospital. I was in the basement. Because black, I was in the basement because black kids could not go. Black people couldn't go. If you went to the hospital and you were admitted, you were admitted in the basement. That's unheard of. No. I mean, it's not unheard of, clearly. That's no, crazy. No, no. I remember that. Wow. Yes, yes. My mother never had any complaints in terms of how I was treated. She didn't have any complaints about that. But things have changed. But then again, things haven't changed. Things have been covered up. Okay. So we have to talk about that. And you talk about Dr. Yezo, and you talk about Rita Fleming, and, and you talk about Treva Hodges, and those are just to name a few um, that are, I call, they're on the front line for all people. For people of color, they're easy to approach. They're approachable to discuss issues um, that even one individual has a concern about. You know, how can we get together and have those conversations? And sometimes we think, oh, I'm just one person. You, that's okay. You can be one person. One person can do a lot. That's right. You know, it's the, right. it's the spark that that moves things. And I and I love the fact you said, hey, let's move beyond conversation. Yes. You know, we yes. have to have action plans in place. Yes. And so if we're going to address equity at any level, if we're going to, you know, address the 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 crime levels mm -hmm. that are increasing in mm -hmm. key communities, and how mm -hmm. do we address that? Mm -hmm. And it's it's not just about policing. It is about mm -hmm. those who are in the community um, owning it. Yes. Right, having some degree of ownership, whether yes. you have a mortgage or you're renting, yes. there you know there's different levels of ownership, mm -hmm. um, and I think the other piece is is that we have to look at opportunity, mm. right? Crime hap why does crime happen? Yes. You know what what is what yes. are the reasons? What are the things causing mm -hmm. for things to occur, mm -hmm. and how do we begin to address that versus mm -hmm. just saying, hey, this is yeah. this is something we need to police and somebody needs to go to jail. Yes. Yes. I think that has to be a thing too, because when we when we live in a community that is focused on economic growth, mm -hmm. economic means, financial mm -hmm. value, mm -hmm. um, and we have communities that are ignored. Yes. Um, and we yes. have communities that are intentionally ignored. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, we have to address that as mm -hmm. well. Because that's their problem. Yes. 
It's yes. not really our problem. Yes, when tax dollars came from everybody. That's right. That's right. You know. And and something else I want to bring up real quick is that um, I served on a uh, policy um, that the state of Indiana is working on called direct service workers. Okay. And direct service workers, as you know, are are usually um, are like our CNAs and folks that are caregivers. Even you know, I was a caregiver to my mom and caregiver to my husband, and um, caregivers. I'm paid a lot of money. If we could get, if we, and what they're talking about doing is identifying a, a, a career track, a career path, but also making sure that they have the resources. If a CNA wants to become a nurse, to make sure that she has those resources to become a nurse. Because if we can pull them up to another level, because we have more people aging, we have an aging population as well. Yes. Okay, now we don't like to put our folks in nursing homes. They're trying to keep folks out of nursing homes. So if we can get our family members, if we can to care for our, our, our loved ones, if we can also get our uh, uh, direct service workers, if we can get behind them and the state can pass those policies to help our direct service workers to, to become more self-sufficient, that would also help our economy as well. We, we've we've got a, a nice we've got a lot to think. We've got about. a lot. We to got think a lot about. to work on. That's but that's my day. Yes. Wow. If you ask me, Pam, what do you do in the day? <laughs> that's a long list. I'm of also things. work. I'm working on infant mortality. I work on. I was telling you about the 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 local food uh, purchase excess grant that yeah. Community Action just received, and working with BIPOC farmers and working with Black farmers and working those 20 counties and getting fresh uh, fruits and vegetables to those counties, to those folks that live in those 20 counties, and that there's only five grants in the state of Indiana that Community Action is the lead agency on. So if you ask me about that, I'm also over here working with doulas. I'm writing a grant to try to um, get, I have a couple of doulas that are gonna be working with our Head Start families. I have doulas that's gonna be working and talking about um, breastfeeding and talking about um, uh, nutrition and physical activity and really focusing on that the low-income families and making sure that those women have what they need and connect them to resources how as do well. we get all of that out there into the ether like Ooh. like because I mean you know I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm in certain spaces mm -hmm. and I don't always get to hear about the different programs mm -hmm. you know when I do pick up a newspaper I don't always hear about mm -hmm. the different new programs mm -hmm. and in Clark and Floyd County, we really don't have news. We don't have news. So like how that. do we how do we get that information out to the people on an ongoing basis? We had over a thousand people, individuals that attended the back to school event. A thousand. Every year, there's more and more. We went to the media, our community partners. Uh, we were on TV, radio. Okay. Just trying to get that information out there. That's because people having a difficult time, hard time with getting jobs or, or even retaining the job. So many people have been home. It's hard to sit at a desk when you've been home for yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a long time. That, that hustle is different now. It is, it's it a is. little different. It's a little different. So what we do is we use our community partners. We use our churches to try to get the word out. Okay. I just started diabetes class last week, every Wednesday. Yeah. You know, a lot of us, we still call it the sugar. Yeah. 
I don't yeah. want to have a late. Um, I, she told me she was diagnosed with with diabetes, but she said, you know what I call it? Sugar. I can't say the word diabetes. Don't want to own that disease. Don't want to own it. Well, and I we're mean, still, right. we've got people still, that's okay. We don't have to claim it. Because we can address that. And But how, how do you, so are you teaching? So, and I, I know we got to wrap up, but so in that, in that diabetes class, in that sugar class. In that sugar class. In that sugar class. Are we teaching new ways of eating? Yes, we are. Okay. And it's not, when I say I'm having a class and it's facilitated by an RN registered nurse, when I say I'm having a class, it's not where she's coming in and she's lecturing you. This is interactive. We're actually doing food demonstration and we bring in partners oh, to do wow. this. Can I come film that? You can that? come and you get a Let's little go. blender. Right. You get, I mean, you're getting some things to take home. Every class that you attend, you will get something to take home. Okay. We have activities that you do. We play bingo. You get a game. But yet and still, it's educational. Awesome. If you have pre-diabetes, if you have diabetes, or if you're a caregiver to someone with diabetes, please come out to our class at Community Action. Okay. We started that class. It's every Wednesday at 430. Awesome. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so how do I get it out? I don't yes. know. I think people just call me and say, Pam, what are you doing? Sometimes I don't know where to start. What if they don't know a Pam? How do they find you? They can call Community Action. Right. Just ask for Pam. Just ask for Pam. And they say Pam, the minority health girl, and they'll right. they'll put you through. And we, we need your help. And we need your help. From service yes. to farm. Yes. So when when does the farming program launch? That we started, we received our, I'm going to say in four months. In four months? Mm -hmm. so I'm going to say in four months. As well. You're going to look That's for that as well. Right. You're going to look for some fresh produce here in Clark County. Well, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's been most informative. I hope that yes, if you're listening or you get it. to watch, um, you picked up some information. This is specific to Clark County, Indiana. But if you are watching somewhere else or listening somewhere else, you know, ask yourself, what are you doing in your own community? What information do you have? What information don't you have? You know, are you not getting it because you're not at the table? Um, and sometimes we have to move out of our comfort zones and show up in spaces um, so that we can get the information and then bring it back to our community. Uh, I'm with Pam, Pam Clark, uh, yes. with Cassie. Um, this is your boy, Gelly Gale. This is Common Conversations with the Health Equity uh, Story. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next show.